Liberty Station is brought to you by my good friends at Devoted Capital, where they believe how you profit matters. They're dedicated to helping you align your investments with your values, empowering you to a life well-lived. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show on Liberty Station, where we are a threat to the Great Reset. And today, I have a new friend of mine, um, but this is a guy that I have heard his name a 100,000 times because he has been a longtime supporter of Dennis Prager's and a longtime advertiser. He has his own show now, and he has written um, a book series called Atheism Kills, and I like on his website, the banner title is A World Without God is a World of Chaos. So let's welcome attorney, author, talk show host, Barack Lurie. Bryce, thanks so much for having me. What an honor it is to be part of this. Uh, I, I really, I do so enjoy talking about this. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for coming on. I know you're a you know, busy guy, got a lot of irons in the fire. And, um, uh, you know, the first time I met you, uh, we were in a park. And our uh, mutual friend, Michael Mikulov, um hooked me up with you and introduced me to you. You guys were having a rally there in the park, and we had our team had volunteered to uh, give some additional protection to Dennis Prager, who is a, a mutual friend of ours, and, uh, and got to meet you and, and put a face with the name after you know, hearing you on all of your advertisements for you know, decades, really, now at this point, right? Right. I, I think it's... Uh... Uh, in the second decade, that's that's correct. We're probably about 15 years together, so that, that's true. Yeah, I can't believe it's been that long. It's it's so interesting. It's funny that you mentioned that that park uh, visit and the speech and so on like that. That that was a pro-Israel uh, speech, and there are many speakers. Uh, and um, I arranged for Dennis to speak there as well, and I I was the one who introduced him, and I gave my own speech ahead of time. And it was really funny because you know my my kids were. Were coming they wanted to see it they heard about it and they they wanted to hear it so my, my kids knew that somehow i was important because when my name came up to to start speaking he noticed my, my older son noticed that the crowd became quiet and they mm. wanted to hear <laughs> so all the other speakers there was a lot of you know busy banter and and, and nobody was really paying attention but when i spoke Suddenly, it was quite, and it was it was an honor. It was nice that he noticed that, and and I didn't even notice, but he did. And then, of course, when Dennis spoke, uh, it was the, the the main event, and it was always a pleasure to hear from him. So, so yeah, interesting. Well, well, I'll I'll add to that because it it was kind of fun. You know, we um, uh, I serve uh, on on one of Charlie Kirk's boards, and. Uh, we were at Amfest for you know um, through the weekend, and it's a four-day event, and it's the you know biggest conservative event in the country. Um, and we had something like twelve thousand or nearly twelve thousand people there in attendance. Uh, I saw uh, Dennis speak. Of course, he was one of the the keynote speakers at the event. Um, but I was getting recognized and my daughters were with me just because of my work on this show, even though it's been a short time, you know, we've developed a pretty decent following and, um, I'd never had the occasion to have people, you know, stop and say, Hey, can I get a, you know, quick photo with you? And Hey, how are you? You know, I've been listening to your show, which was really fun. But of course my girls are, um, Eight, uh, 19 and 18, and my 14-year-old stayed home, but my 19 and 18-year-old, so of course they were rolling their eyes because they know who dad really is. <laughs> right, right. <That's laughs> yeah. Right. 
solid but, picture uh, in, their, in their opinion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's a blessing to to be able to have a voice, and I know you, you know you've been so important in that too with your show and and of course your book, which I, I want to get into. Um, but I'll I'll make one comment about Dennis Prager at that particular event. Um, you know, I was uh, uh, his close protection for it, and it took an hour and a half for him to leave that park after he spoke. And the wow. reason being is because he is one of the nicest human beings and most genuine human beings to his fans. And he t- stopped and took a picture with every single person who asked in that crowd. And so yeah. we, we moved about a foot every minute uh, trying to get him out of there. But, um, but you know, he's always been a, a, such a wonderful guy. And, you know, yeah. he is uh, one of the wisest men on this planet today. Yeah. It's true. Um, and, and, you know, I'll say this about Dennis as well. You know, it's such an honor to have the association that I do with him. And I, I, I always feel like uh, I'm, a, I'm an imposter. Like, how, how come he chose me, you know, t- to be somebody that he wants to connect with from a legal point of view, at least? And mm-hmm. uh, how come he supports me and such like that? And I, and I feel very, really, really honored. I don't take that lightly. And I can also say that and I, Bryce, I, I know that, that you feel the same way, that a lot of times you hear commentators out there and you say to yourself, you know, I, I can say that. Uh, you know, that's the same right. thing. I'm no different than that. I, I can spout off that sort of stuff. Uh, but when it comes to Dennis, it's a different animal. I, I listen to him I say there's no way I could have said something. So I, I have my own thing. I think I, I do offer something different. Uh, but when I listen to Dennis, especially his breadth of knowledge on the, on the Torah, uh, his analysis of uh, the Russian uh, history and how it plays today uh, and how it connects everything, that, that is a very unique talent, and I think very few people have that. For my, for my sake, uh, my own interpretation of things is about a world without God. I mean, you, you, you hit the head on the head. Uh, what is it? The nail on the head uh, about this because – and very often people say to me, well, why is it that you speak so much about – uh, your fight against atheism, your fight against godlessness. Why don't, why don't you focus on how positive it is to believe in God, how, how much better your life can be with God? And, you know, I, I thought about this many times, and the answer is because there are plenty of other people saying that, right? Right. Uh, there, there are a huge number of people, but it's, it's sometimes it's very important to see uh, the opposite of what you're preaching. Uh, it, it's all good and well to talk about God, but Okay, great, but what happens when you don't have God in your situation, right? It's like it's like a, the lithograph of life. Um, it's the the negative in the film, and that's what I propose to show. That is my main offering, I think. Uh, and I it came to it from my own experience as an atheist myself back in my college days. Yes, at Stanford, uh, mm-hmm. and I I I really I feel like I'm doing penance, Bryce. Uh, with my books. I, I, I feel very embarrassed about my atheism from the days of old. Fortunately, I, and I do pat myself on the back about this, uh, I grew up. I, I, I learned how Amen. shallow and naive it was. And in fact, it, you know, contrary to my initial impression of myself as, as a man of great intellect, because I was an atheist, I now realize how, how silly I was. And then, in fact, you, you learn so much more. You're so much more wise when you embrace God and when you learn to embrace God. So uh, th- that is that is what I offer, and that's what I'll always be fighting. <clears throat> and uh, it- it's interesting when I, if you look at the comments on my book, uh, 
not just uh, the reviews for my books, uh, most of which are positive, it's really nice to see, but the negative comments there are so nasty, are so out there, um, it's clear they haven't actually read the book. They've only read the title. Oh, for sure, right. Uh, but but they, they've given really nasty reviews on that, and which is interesting because they want to proclaim how moral they are, and yet they they go about saying what a cra- crazy book it is when they clearly have not read the book. Not only that, but they go to town on, on my law practice, which also has a separate review section, right? Um, mm-hmm. And these are people that I know were never my clients, and they, they, they write the nastiest things altogether. Of course. So much further morality, right? Um, but one more thing, and of course, I don't want to hog the, the show. It, but it, no, you're the guest. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, one of the things that I really come to realize lately, Bryce, is that, you know, it, it's always more wonderful to earn your money, right? We, we talk about earning money, and it feels so good. Like, if you, if you have kids, you know the value of letting them make their own money, whether by babysitting or mowing the lawn or doing the dishes or whatever it is. Maybe they work some and, and when they get that paycheck for being a lifeguard or whatever it might be, they, they are thrilled and they want to save that money. Right. But if you give if you give them the same amount of money, which let's say it's three hundred fifty dollars for that week and just give it to them, uh, they will not feel at all connected. It's the same amount of money. Right. They can buy the same amount of things, yeah. but it means much less to them. Uh, I just gave an iPhone to my daughter very recently. And I, by the way, I, can, I, I suggest this to all parents who want to give an iPhone to their kids. They feel like compelled to do so. She's 14. She only got it just now. And uh, I said, you're not going to get an iPhone until you earn it. And what, what's that? So I said, well, I want you to read Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. <laughs> <laughs> And not only that, but I'm going to have a test for you at the end of it to make sure that you've compre- comprehended the concepts. And boy, that was hard for her, but she did it. She well, there is the a 200-page uh, John Galt speech yes. in the middle of it that is a slog. But other than that, it's a great book. And uh, and I warned her about that one, too. Yeah. Anyway, so she, she passed the test beautifully, and now she's got the iPhone, and she's so excited about it. Right. So why do I bring this up, this concept of earning things, right? We all seem to appreciate that a multimillionaire who's made his bones through real estate or whatever it is, making a great idea, is going to appreciate what he has much more than somebody who wins the lottery with that same amount of money. Everyone seems to understand that. Here's where I'm going with this, Bryce. What if we earn God? Okay. What if we okay. earn him? What do I mean by that? I mean that a lot of people come to God because they are born with God. It was kind of given to them by their parents. You shall believe that there's a God. And that's because, you know, he's on our team. That's what we believe. And I I think, while that's wonderful, certainly better than having nothing, uh, I I think that only goes maybe a quarter of the way of where parents really need to take their kids. They need to, to earn God. And by that, I mean, they need to realize why God is real. Uh, to, to understand that it's impossible that life on, on this planet, for that matter, the universe itself, could ever come to exist without a creator. And, and if they come to that on their own and they learn about God and the reality of God on their own, uh, then, then they will have earned him. They will appreciate God all the more and be excited about God all the more. Their lives will be so much more enriched as a result of having him in their lives and, and that they found him. Uh, 
they, they know that he's there. Not, not just that they believe that he's there, but they know that he's there. That is a truly fulfilling life. And then you see the whole world in context uh, with God in it. So anyway, I, that's, that's the latest epiphany I had, and I, I, I really want to share it. Uh, I think I'll, I'll be writing an article about this uh, in the near future about it. But uh, boy, I, I, I listen to myself, Bryce, and I, I cannot, I, I look at my old atheist self and I think to myself, man, if you could hear yourself talking, if, if you talk to the 20-year-old Barack about what Barack as a more adult male would, would, would think like, he would be so embarrassed about me, right? Wow, how can you be so stupid as to believe in God? It's so, it's so backward, it's so primitive. Can't you see that, Barack? And of course, I, I now see the reverse. So, well, I, when I'm I was a child, I thought like a child. Yeah, th- thank you. It's, that's a great point. Uh, I've turned away from childish things, right? And uh, at, at this point, I, I feel really like I've earned him and it's uh, it's just a wonderful moment in my life it's um, and I, I don't see how people can truly be happy without God in their lives that yeah. that's what I've come to the conclusion um, and it's a it's a serious conclusion but I you know in, in one of the um, mitzvot one of the very first mitzvot which is the mitzvahs the 613 mitzvahs uh, from the Talmud is that you shall know that there is a God. That that doesn't mean you should really, really believe in their God. You right. shall know that there's a God, and that that's a big difference, Bryce, between believing in God, because you know it'd be nice to have a God, and knowing there's a God. If you know it, it's, it, it's a completely different dynamic. You know God is right there. Uh, there there's no question about it. He's seeing whatever you're doing, he's evaluating everything you're doing, and uh, it can be scary, but it holds you to account. And a world of accountability is a great world to be in. Anyway, I, that's just kind of a preface to what I wanted to say. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and I like your concept, and I'll comment on it, about earning God, because um, at first where you were going with that, I wasn't sure, you know, because we have a, you know, Christian understanding on our end, you know, of, of you know, we're saved by grace and, um, you know, all, all of that. Um, but as you, as you flesh that out, I, I agree, because in, in some respects, there is, um, you know, it, it, the concept is, you know, you have to make it your own. So, you know, there are, uh, you know, Christian families that, you know, raise these kids um, and, and you know, sometimes the kids completely fall away. Sometimes they reject God entirely, you know, sometimes throughout their entire life. And, you know, the the Bible says that, you know, train your child up in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's right. And so if you are, as a, you know, as a parent, really endeavoring to, you know, lay upon them the principles, and, and I said this when I introduced um, Dennis Prager in an event, um, that you need to teach your children... Um, why you believe what you believe, and not just hope that through osmosis um, and through being in a, uh, you know, uh, conservative uh, religious family that they will pick up those values and adopt them as their own. You need to really make sure that they understand the narrative behind and why and your thought process on your journey to get there. You need to help arm them so that they can 
you know, absorb that, you know, hopefully themselves, right? right. Or um, also defend it when they go to a place like Stanford or somebody where there's a professor that might be hostile, you know, to our religious faith or, or to God and, and, you know, essentially laugh them or batter them out of the classroom with their peers also piling on saying, well, that's a stupid idea. Um, right. I'll make one more comment along those lines is, and I've said this before on the show, I have a little bit of jealousy of those that do come to faith later on in life versus like me being a preacher's kid, you know, sort of growing up with it, um, right. because they their, their transformation can be so dramatic and can be so deep, you know, of that idea of, you know, throwing off the old former self. Right. And, and coming to this new understanding and relationship. That was me then, this is me now, you know. Right. And, and, I, uh, and I appreciate that. And again, it's a, a positive little bit of envy that I have for those right. folks that, that have had that kind of hard transformation. Right. Well, you know, thank you for saying that. Um, it's a double-edged sword. It's painful in some ways, but also all the more joyous <laughs> on others. Right. It's, you know, I, I remember as a little kid, um, they learning that, smokers who smoke that you know they can give up smoking uh but they'll always have a little trace of black lung in you know some whatever they call it uh, in their lungs tar and yeah. I, I thought that was interesting um and yes you can quit atheism but you'll still have that nagging you know smog inside your your lungs as it were or in your heart better yet um and it's and i resent that for myself that that i i have that doubt it's it's uh, doubt is good. I mean, in Judaism, we we expect that of everyone. That's a big deal. But it is interesting because when you have this this doubt, this where where I came from, um, you it, it's all the more, in my opinion, enriching because you see you've been where bad things happen. And Dostoevsky famously said, and I'm a big fan of Dostoevsky. He helped me become a, a believer and now a knower, as it were. Uh, he said. I, a man cannot truly believe in God until he has rejected him. And I, I never liked that phrase. And only when I had rejected him and then found him, then I began to really understand the power of those words. Now, I, I think, you know, you don't have to have been an atheist in order to really appreciate God. But I think what he means there is that doubt is good. It, it forces you to say, okay, well, you know, I, you want to test your own theories. Like, how can you say that there's a God out there? You, explain to me this magical force out there. Uh, you can't see him. You can't touch him. You can't hear him. You can't smell him. So therefore, he doesn't exist. Prove your God. Um, and you have to really kind of be ready for that. And I have, you know, what I think are very compelling answers in terms of the probabilities of the universe and love, life and everything else. But, but these are things that really force you to the task. Um, and I feel in terms of my passion, you know, you, you always hear about these guys and we, I'm sure you know plenty of them. I know plenty of them who, who've come from Russia, from the former Soviet Union. Yeah. They know what communism is like, <laughs> right? We, we know that communism is not a good idea. We, we know that capitalism is a good thing. We know that capitalism is wonderful. It made America, you know, the greatest force uh, in civilization. But I'll yeah. tell you what. They're they the people say, that are... They're the people that are going crazy right now, watching right now. what's happening, seeing yep. the you know the precursors that many of them lived through, um, you know, come and, and infect America. Um, they're they're some of the the people that are sounding the alarm more than anyone else. Do you know whom you're voting for? 
With every product you buy and every dollar you spend, you are casting your vote. Devoted Capital offers values-based investing portfolios that are designed to help you reach your financial goals, all the while making a positive impact on your life and the world around you. They are dedicated to educating, engaging, and empowering you to be wise with your investments and to equip you to be knowledgeable with your vote. Visit their website at devotedcapital.com to learn more about values-based investing or dial 805-372-0821 to speak to your values investor advocate today. Investment advisory services offered through Alliance Advisory and Securities, LLC, registered investment advisor. They know what's what. They have seen it and they don't want to go back to it and they just can't. They, they are shaking their heads as they're seeing this. And do we really have to learn the hard way uh, that communism or socialism is, is not a good plan? Do we really have to, to go there? And unfortunately, I think that is, if we let things continue on the way they are, that that's what's gonna happen. And that's the way I feel about God. I, I, I have been there. It is, it's a very dark place. I've been inside my head. Uh, I, I know how I used to think. And it's, it, if you truly live a life of atheism, you have to be honest with yourself. And, uh, and this is why I, I resent atheists who think that uh, atheism and morality can somehow still jibe with one another. They, they can't. It's impossible. You, you may want morality. I get that. You may think that morality is necessary for the functioning of civilization. But don't pretend that atheism advances morality. It just does not. Uh, don't pretend that there's free will uh, or that you have true consciousness for that matter. You, if, to be an atheist, you have to believe that there's no real morality. There is no free will and no consciousness. Those are, those are basically dogmatic in the, in the atheist structure. You have to understand that. And any, any, anytime you say, well, I'm an atheist and I can be very good. Okay. Well, what does good mean? And so on. So anyway, to the point that you just mentioned, Bryce, um, I, I've been there. I, I know what it's like to be in that, in that head. It's very dangerous. It's ugly. There is no such thing as beauty for that matter. There's no need for charity. Uh, you're a sucker if you help your fellow man. Um, and there is no morality. I, that's the bottom line. And who wants to live in that world? We, we are not created for such a world. It does not, there, there's something instinctive within all men and women that we have morality, that we want morality in the first place. And you have to ask why. So uh, that, that's why I, I'm sounding the clarion call about the dangers of atheism and how it destroys everything that we value. And that's what Atheism Kills was all about. That's what Atheism Destroys, the, the, the second of the volume series, was about. And I, I take them, and, and there will be Atheism Steals. That's my third volume um, and my final volume. But I go chapter by chapter to show how godlessness destroys free speech. It destroys... Uh, uh, our, our sense of freedom, for that matter, it destroys um, family, destroys relationships. Let's, yeah, let's so, get into some of those uh, specific yeah. points there, and, and actually f free speech. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about how it destroys free speech because we are kind of seeing that right now. But let's mm -hmm. tie that, um, you know, directly to a disbelief in a god. Right. Well, I'm happy to do that. So uh, it's one of my favorite chapters in my book, Atheism Destroys, the second one, where, uh, look, if you were to look at 
the constitutions of almost every other country, you'll see that there is a reference to the right to free speech. So you think to yourself, okay, that's cool. Uh, they have free speech just like we do. And then you look at it and you go to these countries, you can go to modern day Germany, modern day France, they technically have free speech, but we know better. Somehow when you come to America, free speech takes on a very different meaning. And it's not just that it's recognized more thoroughly than it is in Germany or France or even England. It's, there's a sense that's sacrosanct. There's a sense that it's holy. Even the atheist will, when he talks about America and talks about the supporting free speech, he knows that America has a very almost sacrosanct sense, sense of free speech. And he's right. It is sacrosanct here. And in fact, it's the only place in the world where we consider free speech a holy thing. We consider it derived from God, as well as all the other Bill of Rights. But freedom of speech is the ultimate in many ways. It is a God-given right. If you compare it to the constitutions of the EU, uh, these are just some that I pulled out out of nowhere, yeah. but the EU, the Philippines, uh, South Africa, and the former, uh, the, what is it, the, the Articles of Man by the, the French Revolution, none of those other constitutions or articles uh, did anything more than have a passing reference, a, a nod, if you will, to the notion of God. Yeah, we recognize that there was uh, some some uh, involvement of God. No, it's not even involvement of God. They will, they will say passing reference to the, the cultural significance of Christianity in the development of Europe, for example, but nothing more. <laughs> That's it, baby. Well, yeah, because they, they don't, uh, they, you know, the big difference, and this is, you know, generally um, worldwide versus us, is that they believe that it's the state that, you know, gives those rights, including free speech. So it's right. no problem for the state to, to give it away. Um, and, and, they, and that's where we're seeing the transformation here, because, you know, we believe that all of our rights are God-breathed, God-given, and the state only really exists to protect those. You know, we've collectively yeah. decided that that's their role. And, and you know, in, in everywhere else, they're, they're ready to pull it, because if the state is the one that gives it, then the state can take it away. Right. That is exactly right. And also think of it from, from the perspective of the average French citizen uh, or German and so on. If they, they, they understand there's free speech, but when they are, they, they themselves believe that the right to free speech, speech is simply a law uh, that allows them to speak because the government said it's okay, uh, then they don't take it so seriously either themselves. They understand that there must be limitations to free speech. Whereas we, we crazy Americans, we, we not only say that we have free speech, but it's God given. And when you are interfering with my right to free speech, you are interfering with my relationship with God, no less. It's a yeah. big deal. Amen. Uh, and, and that, that is point. the reason why we have such a difference there. Now, we are getting um, more and more godless in America, as we all know. That's one of the issues and you're seeing more of a clarion call for from uh, the left of course and the, the a-religious to be more like europe to have free speech more like like those guys have because you know free speech is just too dangerous because people might say things that are uh you know out there or that might offend somebody or you know because of the the internet the way it is it might confuse people and that could be more dangerous in other words 
we have to save free speech by limiting free speech. It's, it's a very bizarre phenomenon, but you're hearing this very often uh, among the liberal crowd, even in America, because they don't like, it's in their bones. They just don't like the notion that God is in any way connected to any of their rights. So by taking it away, they, they ultimately will end up with the same sort of attitude that we see in Australia, Japan, Germany, France, England, and so on. That's the danger. And uh, we will lose free speech because people don't really, they, they don't even understand why free speech matters. Right. What's the point? Uh, to them, free speech is like the rules of the road, the traffic laws. You know, it, we ought to, you can, you can go wherever you want, Bryce. You can go uh, as, as long as you like for that matter. But you have the stoplights, but you have the speed limits, but you have this, but you have that. So yeah, sure, you, you can drive free, as free as you can. And that's the way they feel about free speech. Yeah, by all means, yeah. free speech. But don't say this and don't say that and don't even think that. That's, yeah, that's the way a good it is. analogy. Yeah. yeah, that's a good analogy. I like that because that is that is the the a good way to articulate it. Yeah. Uh, we're very uh, we're very lucky to be in America and it is the god-based nature of America that gives us the free speech that we have and also the the guns of course and uh, all the other bill of rights issues that we have this the sense of of um, sacred nature of the Bill of Rights, including the, the the right against unlawful search and seizure. This is where you need a warrant. So we all have that in our bones as Americans, but as we lose God, um, it, it's gonna be less and less significant to us. We'll think, well, what's the big deal? You know, the, the guy committed the crime, let's let's arrest him. It doesn't matter that the cop didn't have a warrant. Well, yeah, no, it, did, it does matter. It matters also what truth means. That's another thing that kills, that dies without, uh, without God is the notion of truth. Um, and this is one thing that, you know, Bryce, you know, I'm a very big fan of Christianity. I'm, I'm, I'm a devout Jew. I, I love being Jewish. I, I, I espouse to all the, the Jewish ways and traditions and uh, I'm not a Jew for Jesus. Some people have decided that oh, because I, I support Christianity, therefore I must be a Jew for Jesus. I'm not. Well, we can work on you. We can work on you for, <laughs> for over time. <laughs> well, my the story's not done. the story's not done on you. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute. I love that. I love that that you you still you know um, my Christian friends are still you know see me as a hopeful prospect. But look, I, I have profound respect for Christianity, uh, and you cannot deny the incredible gifts that Christianity has given uh, the world. And when I say Christianity, I mean Catholicism and Christianity, and even Mormonism. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm sorry, I just, I'm lumping them all together. I know that there is a big distinction among Christians and Catholics and otherwise. To me, by the way, as a Jew, it breaks my heart uh, to see people who has advanced such a great thing uh, for civilization, how they, they are so divided sometimes. To me, I, I love you all. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. You know, you well, because all... what, you know, what, what you are loving is a, is a generally yeah. shared values system. Yes. You know, and that's and that's why we are aligned. You know, that's yeah. why you, um, you know, that's why you and I are are friends. That's why we can, you know, unite together in you know fighting uh, against some of the craziness that we're seeing in this world. You know, we are, we have common cause, and and you know, again, those common values. But um, but yeah, um, I think that uh, it's a you know it's an important thing to recognize that, and all of us, instead of being divided on these things, let's make sure that we're you know moving in the right direction because everything that we have 
is really truly at stake by the movements against us all that we're seeing today. Yeah, it is so true. Um, and one of the aspects, I mean, we, we need to speak truth. And that's that's one of the aspects I love about Christianity is that, you know, Judaism, of course, offered so much for the world. I mean, it, it, Judaism invented, Judaism invented the, the notion of time as we think of it. Uh, people don't really understand that very much. So it's one of the greatest gifts that the Jews have given. This is, of course, before Christianity. Uh, also justice and the notion of law and order and uh, the notion of justice. Uh, all these things together are something that, that, that the Jews have given the world, the notion of being responsible uh, to your fellow man. Christianity, of course, took that and went even further with the notion of truth with a capital T. Um, I, I so admire, um, I, I think it was John Paul uh, II who said that all that matters is truth and uh, truth cannot destroy truth. The, the whole university system was designed just to get to the truth. It didn't care whether the earth was deemed flat or round. It just, it cared for the truth, whatever, whatever the science taught it. So Christianity developed science as we know it, it developed the school system as we know it, developed the scientific method as we think of it today. Yeah. Um, and people don't get, you know, Christianity unfortunately doesn't get the credit that it deserves. Um, atheists think, as I used to think, that there are people of science, those guys, and they're, they're better than you. And, and you silly Christians, you silly Jews, uh, you have uh, complete faith in God and you just, you, you just have to cling to him. And as a consequence, you're ignoring the reality of science. That They believe this. I'm telling you, yeah. this is 100% uh, what every atheist will tell you, that they are people of science. Yeah, it's, it's, it's foolish because, you know, and one, one of the things that I say regularly is, I mean, uh, it's silly on its face because, um, you know, science uh, doesn't run counter to God, and God is the author of nature right. and the author of science. And as we grow to understand science, we're understanding more of his nature and more and more things that, as you, you know, um, studying um, the, the, the Bible and the Torah, um, it, uh, God identifies in there um, scientific principles for us, including before we understood that the earth was round, you know, he called it a sphere. It, you know, um, he, he described the, you know, the heavens and included that uh, we were rotating around the sun versus what was the understanding of that time. Um, thermodynamics is expressed in the Bible. All of these sort of principles right. that we discovered and came to later were foreshadowed or outright declared in the work. Um, and so it's, right. a, it's a funny thing that these atheists do, oh, well, you know, I can't believe in God because I believe in science. Which right. lately, as you know, has become its own religion. Well, that's that's right, and 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 that I think even proves your point, Bryce. About they claim to be people of science, but science is the last thing that they're doing. Uh, when you look at what happened with with COVID, I mean, there was yeah. no science behind uh, the shutdown. There was no science behind the masks. There's very little science be behind the the vaccines and and how they try to squash all the therapeutics and all the possibilities there. This was yes. anti-science, if anything. And then, of course, uh, don't get me started with, with global warming <laughs> and the climate change issue. There's no science behind that. They, they, they take any contrary evidence and they throw it away. And, you know, like the, the boxer, uh, that, that song from Simon and Garfunkel, uh, mm. what is it? Uh, a man will believe what he wants to believe and disregards the rest. 
And that's the way the atheist and much of the secular world today uh, views science. They, it's, it's a tool of manipulation for them. And then they simply say, well, all the experts agree with me, so therefore uh, you're not scientific if you don't agree with me. Same thing with the lab theory. Uh, I mean, there's just too many examples of how they suppress science. And meanwhile, uh, and as you articulated very well, Bryce, the Torah, everything, this is the, this is a challenge that I, I give to every atheist and they, they get quite stumped by it. So I say, show me in the Torah where there's any scientific uh, proclamation in the Torah, such as what you just mentioned about the, the earth being a sphere, where you can say, aha, you see, it's false. They, they, the, the, the Torah is wrong. Uh, now, I, I'll get to a separate discussion about walking on water and, and the, 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 the Red Sea splitting and such like that. But I'm talking about the, the notion yeah. of anything that's non-miraculous, uh, that the way the universe actually is. And yeah, you, you, yeah, you can't take the miracles that are declared yeah. to be miracles. <laughs> you right. can't exactly. take but those. It's itself outside of the natural yeah. world. And yeah. Uh, but but in terms of describing light, in terms of descri- describing night and day, describing the, the age of the universe for that matter, uh, we, we we know from the, the the rabbis of the um, I believe is the 1300s, um, they calculated the the universe to be approximately 13.5 billion years old, <laughs> and what do we now know they the uh, universe to be approximately 13.5 billion years old. All my all my young Earth friends are screaming right now, but I, yeah. I don't necessarily um, uh, disagree. By the way, um, right. but but of course, you know we've got we've got people have that's one of those hot topics, um, you know, in Christianity um, where people want to take some of the things literal that I don't always believe are literal because our finite minds cannot contain the infinite. Right. Um, so, I, um, and I hate to get too deep into, not, not with you and I, but I hate right. to get too deep into those things. Cause those are those things that are these in-house fights that I believe, uh, distract us from the mission that is at hand. Well, this, this is one of the reasons why I, I talk about earning God, uh, because you do want to take these, um, these little quips in the Bible, for example, that the, the earth uh, that the universe and the earth were created in six days. Okay, well, let's take that head on. And, and w- people don't realize that there's so, so many things that are lost in translation. Mm-hmm. The word day in Hebrew is yom. Yom is more than day. It's Think of it more like an era or an epic. Yeah. Epic, uh, yeah. And, and that is, it's more logarithmic. So, or stage, if you want. So stage one, stage two, stage three. And so in the translation, it says days and people say, well, okay, well, you see there, there, therefore it doesn't work, but everything about it. I mean, the rabbis wouldn't have concluded that the universe is therefore 13.5 billion years. Right. I mean, they, they would be contradicting themselves if they, if they believed it was, it was actually six actual days as we think yeah. of it. And by the way, how could there be an actual day before the earth was even formed to, to spin in 24 hours? Right. Yeah. That's, so that's, that's one of my something thoughts else than, than an earth day. Of course it is. And you have to you have to think more deeply than just what what the atheist wants to do. And I say this as a former atheist. They what they love to do is look at something in the pashut, which means simple in Hebrew, and they they see that it doesn't conform with the the way that they would like to understand the universe or the world, and they dismiss it. It's gone, baby. It's like well, I'm done here, and I'm so smart because I I figured out that the universe is. It has been around for longer than six days, um, and that, and that that to them is enough. So 
you do have to earn God in that department, um, but it's all the more joyous when you realize it. Look, I'm, I'm a man of science. I love statistics. I consider my mes- myself a master statistician. The, it, it is interesting, Bryce, to know that among all the scientists who believe in God, the greatest majority of them from, from an individual, uh, from a scientific, uh, whatever you call it, what, what's the word I'm look, looking for? Uh, not ideology, but practice. Discipline. Uh, discipline. Yeah, sci- the scientific discipline that has the greatest number of God believers are statisticians. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so, uh, That's interesting. But, yeah, I yeah, didn't know that. From, and, and for good reason, uh, because they think constantly in terms of probabilities, probabilities. And if you walk, walk around your life and you say to yourself, how is it possible that the temperature is always within a zone that is so perfect for humans? And you can say, okay, well, you're putting the car before the horse barack, you know, maybe we adapted to the to the weather and such, but no, 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 it's, it's there's so little extreme. Uh, we can survive these things, how we can adapt to it with the ozone and our placement in the solar system and Jupiter being there to suck out all the asteroids uh, and, the, and the perfection of the moon that circles our earth so that we have, we're always in constant access. It's it's such a thing of beauty. It's more complex than any computer you can it possibly is. make, and and then they wonder, you know, oh, they assume that's all random, um, and well, it's and the I same think- thing of the of how the the universe began and how it had to be so perfect. The chances of it forming as it is, right as we have it, is one out of trillion, trillion, trillions. I I, I wish I had the actual number, but it's way more than a trillion, and um, and here we are. Uh, so they can speak about it, and we have free will to say nothing of uh, life forming independently, organically, randomly. It's, a, it, it's so preposterous that at some point you have to be honest with yourself as an atheist and say, "Look, I, I'm looking for an explanation." Look, I'm going to admit something. I'm a terrible gift giver, but not this year, because my friends at Good Ranchers are making it easy to give the gift of meat. This is actually a great idea. In fact, a hard economic year for most has caused essential gifts to be more needed and wanted than ever. Fortunately, you can easily give the most essential gift of all this year, delicious meat. Good Ranchers has gift boxes and gift cards so that you can give America's best meat and seafood this Christmas. With discounts on orders of five boxes or more, you can save on gifts for the whole family or your business. When you give someone a box of Good Ranchers, you're gifting them more than the best meat they've ever had. You're giving a true steakhouse experience. With 100% American, USDA Prime, and upper choice cuts of beef, chicken, and seafood, you're sure to beat out the new socks and re-gifted candles for the best gift of the year. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com and use code LIBERTY at checkout for $35 off your delicious gift of meat. If you know someone that likes meat, then you know someone who will love Good Ranchers. Your gift goes further with them because they take the premium price out of premium meats. Go to GoodRanchers.com and find the perfect box for you or a loved one in their curated selection of hand-trimmed meat and seafood. Give the best meat in America, support local U.S. farms, and get $35 off your essential gift with my code LIBERTY today. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Here's, here's a challenge that I give to my atheist friends and to anyone who's interested as a secularist who wants to kind of delve into this and wants to understand God better. The first challenge I always say is 
forget about the Bible for, for the moment, put that to the side. Um, first find out whether or not the universe was created randomly. Answer that question for yourself. Because one thing I can con- say very comfortably, evolution does not work. Whatever it is, it does not work. It, it, maybe it's not the God of the Bible, but one thing for sure, it ain't random. And if, it, if it's not random, there means there was a creator who created it. Okay? Yeah. Again, it doesn't have to be the God of the Bible. I believe it is the God of the Bible. It's a separate issue. Yeah, but just, yeah, just a pure, pure logic it, yeah, um, sure. does That's not all allow you to come to the conclusion that the, that this all happened by chance. Yeah, exactly it, right. That, yeah. It it is yeah. it is a incongruous thought. You just can't you just can't do it. Um, right. But I, but I think a lot of folks, you know, I, I would say that atheists fall into a couple of different categories. Right. Um, the the most common category. Uh, are you know I mean, there's the people that are just agnostic you know they aren't sure they don't even want to delve into it all that much they're living their lives and they don't want to actually think on some of these big things or really contemplate or investigate these things and I encourage people you should have a curious mind in life you will yeah. be far more rewarded and far more successful in life if you adopt that mindset but let's put yeah. them aside I love it the people who are adamantly atheist or declare themselves to be such there's the arrogant folks. Many of them are very smart or believe they're very smart and very highly educated yep. that are so uncomfortable in admitting that they can't know everything. And there are yep. things that, that you cannot completely understand about God or the universe that, that we are in. And, right. and that, that idea bothers them, and that idea and that thought of just going, you know what, I don't know. Or, you know, uh, R.C. Sproul always called it the, you know, finite mind cannot contain the infinite. And oh, so at a certain point, we are, we are going to run up against the wall, and we're going to have to admit our frailty and just say, you know what, I don't know. And then you know, there's the people, I'll, I'll yeah. say this, this last yep, little category, are the people that uh, and I credit this to Adam Carolla, who he says I have a uh, he says I have a um, I just don't believe in God. I don't have a chip on my shoulder against him. And there are people who have a you know and usually it's because they had some a, a parent uh, a, a religious father figure uh, somebody that failed them abused them uh, did them wrong um, did not reflect the goodness of God. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so they have a bone to pick with them or a chip on their shoulder, uh, you know, and I think it falls into that kind of a category. You know, it, it's, it's very interesting, Bryce, and I like the way you phrase that. I think, I think a lot of people are angry with God or angry with this human that interpreted God or shoved God yeah. down their throat a certain way. And that's, that's really a shame. And it's actually childish. Um, you know, you may have an English teacher who was uh, not nice to you, but does, does that mean that Shakespeare was not a good writer? I mean, does that, does yeah. that mean that you shouldn't care about grammar? Of course not. Uh, likewise with math or any other subject that you have. But somehow, if somebody raised you with a Christianity or Catholicism or Judaism, and they were too stern or too disciplinary, and you didn't like it, um, some somehow that that tosses out God and the the, the validity of religion altogether. It's it's a silly notion. You do have to grow up. I will say that you know, in your comment about not being able to explain everything, first of all, you're 100 percent right. We we now know that we'll only at best know four percent of what there is to know about the universe. We'll never know more than that. 
we'll, we'll be always operating around the margins to get around that 4%, yeah. 3.9, 4.1 at most. That's it. We're done. I, I went to, I went to LAUSD for, so for me, it's like 2%. Oh, sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, uh, but what the atheist is now saying to you, uh, listening to what you just said, he said, well, there's some things we just have to acknowledge. We don't know. And, and what he's saying and what I would say is, okay, you don't know that Bryce, but that doesn't mean just fill it in with this, this phantom God yeah. that will be the answer to all things that are on. He's, he's a, he's a, the God of the gaps is what they call it. Right. Right. He's a, a placeholder for those things that you don't know. And, uh, that's not scientific. It's not rigorous. Uh, you have to challenge yourself. Well, the problem is for that, you know, putting that aside is that you'll never get to the point where you say that, um, you can explain everything through science. First of all, you just can't, uh, it's, it's just impossible. We, we just established that, but it ignores the main issue, which is what are the probabilities that the universe happened by itself? You have to answer that question as an atheist. If you want to promote that, then you need to, to know the numbers, get to the numbers because there are serious numbers there that that's all scientific. Right. We, yeah. we have that. And by the way, for That's recommendations good. on that subject, I would recommend anyone to um, Gerald Schroeder's book, The Science of God, where he goes through all the numbers, the probabilities that the scientific community has agreed is, are the probabilities of these things happening. Uh, and, and don't take his word for it or my word for it. Take the word of Stephen Hawking, who is a very famous or was a very famous atheist. He did not believe in God, but he did understand the probabilities that uh, that their that their universe coming to itself by itself uh, are so astronomically way beyond astronomical is not even a fair word. It's yeah. so preposterous, preposterously astronomically unlikely that he had to fabricate a concept of the multiverse. It was really Stephen Hawking who kind of came up with that notion. Why did he come up with the multiverse? Uh, because that allowed him to reduce the odds that this one particular universe uh, came about uh, randomly and that therefore uh, it was it was likely that a universe among all these other infinite number of universes would come up with the universe that we now have. So you, you see, he just changed the game. I don't yeah. know. It's like stuffing ballots into, uh, into <laughs> but that's another yeah. story altogether. Hey, so, uh, so I want to ask you um, uh, a question that I love to ask all my Jewish friends. Why are there so many Jewish non-believers, uh, irreligious folks, and why are they all seeming to be liberal or lefties? Right. Okay. So you you kind of first of all, I love the question. Uh, your question was the best framed question on this score, and I do have an answer because I answer it all the time. I, I have to as a Jewish yeah. conservative. I I do. Uh, your 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 question itself answers your your own question. Here it is. Um, when a Christian tells me he's a Christian, uh, Bryce, I, I, I know you pretty well, but I don't know you as well. So I'm going to ask you a question. Um, when you tell me you're a Christian, that means that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He's your savior, correct? Correct. Right. And he was resurrected and he came back, right? Yep. And one day he'll come back uh, as, the, as a Messiah again. Yep. Right? And my guess is also that you go to church at least, I don't know, I'm going to say twice a month, maybe every week for that matter. Is that fair? 
That is fair. Okay. And if you said, I'm not a Christian, that would mean you don't do those things, right? Right. So that is not the same thing for Jews. Uh, when a Jew tells you that he's a Jew, that can mean anything. It can mean that he goes to temple twice a month, like, like you do, or once a month, once a week. Uh, he, he could be very observant. It can mean that he's questioning. It can mean that he's an atheist. When I, when I was an atheist, I don't, you would never be able to tell, you, tell me that I'm not a Jew. I, I was a Jew full on. There's, there's no getting around that. So being a Jew is more of a nation than it is uh, a religious tent. It is a, the, the religious aspect of it should be, and I think that you know, it, it should be a pillar of being Jewish, but not so in the Jewish tradition. So uh, when you talk to a Jew and he says he's liberal it, or, or anything about himself, it doesn't mean that he believes in God at all um, or, or what his level of observance is. So it's not a surprise that when you see a lot of uh, Jews who are not religious, uh, that they would vote liberal, right? So all the Christians, for example, that may have been raised Christian, but don't identify as Christian at this point, they don't believe in Jesus, they don't believe in the resurrection, all those things. Um, you wouldn't say, oh, look at all these Christians and what, what a liberal vote the Christians uh, you know, are engaging in, right? But when it comes to the Jews, because we consider ourselves a nation, then the Jews are voting, you know, I put that in quotes, as a liberal bloc. And that's that's the distinction. Yeah. Uh, to make it even more clear to you, um, as you go more and more observant as a Jew, the more likely you are to be conservative. So all those uh, Orthodox rabbis with the, the hats and the curls and all the, that that you see you know, as typical with the beards, uh, mm -hmm. those really all of them love Trump. <laughs> Every one yeah. of them. I mean, I, I'm sure there's one or two, uh, but they're still very conservative. And heart, whether yeah. they like, and there's probably some that prefer DeSantis in there. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> uh, but they certainly don't like Biden. And yeah. uh, just just to give you an example, so uh, by and large, the Reformed Jews tend to be uh, pretty reform in their beliefs as well. A lot of them don't yeah. necessarily believe in God, um, but they go to synagogue, and which is nice. It's something that they they give back to the community. It's significant, but uh, among the reformed Jews and those who don't attend synagogue whatsoever, uh, they tend to be much more uh, liberal. And, and that hopefully answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. And, and you know, obviously I've, I've asked this a lot, and so I've gotten, you know, various uh, similar thoughts. Um, you know, and, and as a community uh, of Christians, you know, right now, and COVID has been an amazing thing for us because it's been a little bit of a clarifying point as to where churches stood, and, yeah. uh, and we've been working very hard um, to identify and call out the woke, hollowed-out church and those that did not stand for rights and, you know, went weak-kneed in the face of mild tyranny. Yeah. And so we're, um, you know, we're, we're identifying those things, and, and I, I hope there's more and more of, you know, my... Jewish friends and leaders in your community that are working to do the same thing, um, because we we do have to unite together. Otherwise, all of us will be uh, you know under the gun, maybe literally. And I, I do believe that that's a you know a possibility at some point as they as the left works so hard to move us towards you know communist ideals and and you know tyrannical oppression. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a great point. And one of the things that I think Dennis has brought up, Dennis Prager, that is, and many other of our conservative allies have mentioned that the COVID shutdown was a precursor or a warm up, a trial run, if you will, for their intentions with uh, global warming. Yeah. Uh, I, underst- I understand why people think that. And I, I think that that might have been the intention. But as often with the Democrat Party, and for that matter, liberalism, generally speaking, everything they do backfires. I, I, yeah. mean, I could have a whole session on that. But well, they, don't, they can't govern, and, and uh, their, their policies never really work at the end of the they day. In fact, I, I call them the party of irony because whatever policy they do advance creates exactly the opposite of what they intend to, yeah. Yeah. to advance, whether that's uh, you know, you know, fighting inflation by spending more money. I mean, it's, it's really bizarre. Uh, yeah. Minimum wage, all the things that we talk about. Uh, but anyway, so the COVID thing, the shutdown may have actually backfired as well. And what do I mean by that? I mean that uh, people really suffered under the COVID shutdown. For one thing, yeah. they saw the tyrannical rule. But in addition, now the facts are all coming out that the masks never worked. The yep. amount of people who died uh, because of COVID, it, it, it did not change because it was not ameliorated. It wasn't lessened because of the shutdown. On the contrary, it appears that if anything, the shutdown caused more people to die than had we not had a shutdown at all. Uh, yeah, to I say think, nothing of the depression and everything else. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think that the, people, the yeah. I'm it, sorry, it, it, I was just gonna say uh, yeah. the momentum. I believe is shifting to your point. Yeah, I, I think we've created, and this is a, a good thing, a, a nation of healthy skeptics, maybe even cynics. Uh, to now say, oh, wait, you didn't, you weren't quite fully accurate with us when it came to uh, the lab theory. You weren't, you know, accurate with us with the 15 days to flatten the curve, right? Uh, or, or the lab, th- sorry, the, the masks. All the things that you and I know about from what happened to COVID. It's a, it's a microcosm of how the left handles truth. Uh, it's, it's very, it's very sporadic. They, Truth is only what you get people to believe, and they will manipulate what the truth is. Uh, Deborah, Deborah Burks herself uh, said, and this is in my, my book, she said that uh, all hospitals were encouraged to uh, ramp up the numbers of COVID deaths, regardless mm-hmm. of whether they actually died of COVID. Uh, had they had COVID even six months earlier and were fully cured of the COVID, and then they came to the hospital and died of it, they were deemed to be a COVID death. So people began to see these numbers, began to see that the things are not adding up. They saw what happened in Sweden. Sweden didn't have any of these shutdown and they were fine. Florida didn't have the shutdown. They were fine and so on and so on. Uh, so we, we've reached, perhaps we've immunized, to use that word, um, a lot of Americans by what happened with COVID. So for when the greater challenge happens with uh, global warming, uh, then, then they'll say, I don't think so, buddy. Uh, I yeah. think I think yeah. we may may have put ourselves in a better position than we think. Well, I hope you are right, sir. And uh, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, in the last minute we have left here, um, go ahead and let everybody know where to find you and how to follow you and how to order your books and all of that. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I could be on Twitter now. At uh, fortunately, I'm not throttled anymore. I'm not shadow man anymore. Uh, it's Barack underscore Lurie, L-U-R-I-E. Brock is B-A-R-A-K. So it's Brock underscore Lurie. Um, and my website, BarackLurie, one word, dot com. That's where you can see a lot about, about, about our books. Uh, Amazon, of course, uh, has 
uh, all our books, uh, Atheism Kills, Atheism Destroys. Um, and in between, I wrote a book called Rise of the Sex Machines, which is about uh, how godlessness is actually killing relationships and yeah. how we ultimately have a culture, sadly, of uh, robotic um, tryst, shall we say. And it's, uh, it's not looking good. So we have to fight no, back. That's another reason why we need God. Well, amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for, for coming on, and I look forward to coming on your show shortly, and uh, appreciate this, and, um, you know, let's, uh, let's chat again soon, and maybe I'll, I'll get you up here to the church one time. You can visit us, and we'll have you in studio. I would love that, and I'd be happy to speak to the congregation, and I love my Christian crowds. It's, it's always fun. It really is. Yeah, well, we'll make that happen. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you for joining us on Liberty Station. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Rumble, Liftable TV, or Spotify, or anywhere that you consume podcasts. Please text these episodes to your friends and support our advertisers.